Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. Hey, welcome to the 348th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patron Ben Steer. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan. And Ben, I'm mailing you your hat. You're going to love it. I've not mailed it yet, but it's coming so soon. It's a great hat. I wore it today on a text count. People were like, this is awesome. Today we're catching up. We're catching up. It's been too long. We both have pretty exciting jobs. I'm kind of at the beginning of mine and you are kind of like... I'm shooting tomorrow. Neck deep in it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to keep this lean and mean, really focused because you have a early call time, I assume? Uh, 6 a.m. It's so insane how early the sun sets nowadays. Did you know that like at 8 a.m. the sun is still like behind many mountains? (laughs) Like if you're shooting close to any sort of mountain range... The sun is down. I live next to those mountains. Probably the ones you're complaining about, actually. Yeah. So it's like you get so little time to shoot. Certainly. It's like basically unshootable by 4.30. Oh, yeah. 4.30. I mean, you're like in complete, complete shade, especially if you're next to any tall hills, mountains, buildings, anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we'll dig into it a little bit more, but you're on a back lot. So you've got false horizons everywhere you look by design. What's your ideal sun notwithstanding? What's your ideal, ideal call time? For me personally, as the mm-hmm. director? Yeah. I guess like seven. Yep. That's exactly right. Seven to seven is perfect. Yeah. And the, you know, production shows up at six and... Yeah, so they're not totally stressed out. That's still like a relatively reasonable time to show up to work. And you can kind of have a little bit of a life afterwards. Like if you're not totally exhausted, you can like go to dinner with someone. Yeah, so my call time is 6 a.m. tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I have a really uh, probably one of my most awesome jobs I've had. I don't know if ever like I've done like my features were, you know, awesome in very different ways and kind of doing like episodic stuff is very awesome in different ways. And even like budget wise, I think I've had stuff that's in the vicinity of this, Mm -hmm. but there's something like big feeling about this. And on that note, on this podcast, I think maybe two or three years ago, Mm -hmm. I made it my one of my goals like for to accomplish by the end of that year was to join the DGA. Mm-hmm. Does this qualify you? Are you in as of this spot? Today, I got a call from the DGA while I was on the Universal lot. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't pick it up because I was in the middle of things. But it literally said the caller ID said DGA, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Man. And then I just got a message and some guys like, hey, uh, looking for Oren. Need an email address to send this application. Uh, just just got through this paperwork. Looks like you're a must join. So uh we got to get this over to you. You're going to have to get three other directors to that are guild members to sign off on you. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, uh, we got to get this to you. So give me your email address. You got two weeks to fill out the application. Cool, man. Congrats. Yeah. And I was like so sure that it had something to do with like being on the Universal lot. And I'm like, oh, maybe someone like mm-hmm. was like, what are they shooting over here? And uh, it's, oh, Oren Kaplan. Oh, he's. Uh, yeah, needs to mm-hmm. join because this is a DGA project. Uh, and it had absolutely nothing to do with that. It's off my surf pro spot, the D- my oh, first cool. DGA spot that it literally just took them months to get through the paperwork. Yeah. So only took me, I think like two years past my deadline. <laughs> well, to be fair, 
to everyone. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess there was a global pandemic. There was a global pandemic still ongoing. But yeah, that's that's probably a, a big, big part of it. I, I had the same thought. February of uh, 2020, I was like, this is the year. Oh, yeah, because you were like, yeah, just signed with a new company, DGA, all DGA jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was cool stuff. So maybe 2023 is my year. I think actually that's feasible. I would, per Josh Rubin's advice, prefer to shoot my feature before I join. I'd live with it either way. Yeah, man. Congrats. That's very exciting. Excited. Man. Awesome. Awesome. But yeah, so I have this job. It's uh, it's like with a celebrity and we are shooting on the Universal Backlot, which uh, I'm assuming you've been there many times. L- let me ask you something real quick, actually. You've worked for many, many years as a non-union director. I'm sure plenty of times someone's been working with you and they've been like, oh, Oren, a producer has been like, Oren, are you DGA or not? And you say, oh, I'm not DGA yet. And they say, oh, good. That's going to save us a bunch of money. The conversation has never gone that way. It's almost always, hey, Oren, uh, just checking. Are you DGA? And it depends where in the process. If it's already like they're already very much considering me. Mm-hmm. I'm um, saying like even if you booked it or something like or even yeah you're very much considered Let, let's put it that way because yeah. that's kind of as good as booking it in in this context then I'll say I would love to be but I'm not my, my point being that people a producer is running the numbers they're saying okay this is our total budget and we know Oren's rate and then they're asking the reason they're asking if you're DGA or not is they want to know do they owe you fringes do they owe your pension and health etc etc well does the whole production have to be dga sure there's that there's that but there's also i guess the point i'm trying to make is that we have a quote Mm -hmm. of a certain day rate and then if you're dga in addition to that day rate there's putting into your health insurance etc right yeah and what i'm getting at is that producers are never like oh well you saved us 26 percent in fringes in pension and health etc etc union dues they just keep that and put that elsewhere in the budget do you know what i mean like your rate never goes up because you're not dga no one's like well okay well oh right or and you're paying for your own insurance but we're not going to pay you more right yeah no but i think I've definitely talked to producers where I said like, uh, you know, since I did my last DGA job, I'm like, you know, I'm supposed to join mm-hmm. uh, at some point and they will say like, okay, cool. Well, if you're DGA, we're just going to like not put your name on the call sheet. Is that cool? You know? <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, they're bidding non DGA as it is. And then other producers say, yeah, you know, if you're DGA, we'll, we'll make it work. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. but if they know, even know what DGA is, it's like a good sign for the project that you're working on. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, my bread and butter is like non-union work. My last DGA job was actually like not even SAG, which is weird, you know, without the Screen Actors Union. But this job, because it's a celebrity, it's like everyone is like IATSE, like the whole crew mm-hmm. is, is the union. The whole shebang. Yeah. Yeah. I'm union. And it's, I mean, it just makes things insanely expensive like Mm -hmm. literally if we see one of our extras faces we have to it's like two thousand dollars anytime that happens yeah plus residuals (laughs) like it's just so crazy but i've just never had kind of the same access i have to things and Mm -hmm. so just starting with like being on the universe a lot like you want like a condor crane you want like a forklift you want like golf carts you want any giant thing like they just deliver it to you you know Mm-hmm. So we have all these cranes and all these, like we got a giant jib arm and at Universal at most of these studio lots, you have to rent your gear from them and they mm-hmm. charge an arm and a leg for it. It's crazy, but I guess that's, that's what we're doing. That's the deal. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a tram, there's a tram tour at Universal mm-hmm. Studios. Mm-hmm. And so today we had, um, like a rehearsal day and at the end of our rehearsal day, you know, you're always kind of trying to schmooze like the clients and the agency, you know, the clients mm-hmm. are the people that are paying for this. The agency is usually people that like convince the client to hire you. So it's very important for them to be happy and cool and excited. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, let's grab some golf carts and go check this place out, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. So we went to, you know, obviously New York Street. We're, we're shooting on Europe Street. 
where we went to New York Street, we went to the and Wild Europe West. Street is, is, I think, where the good place is shot. Yeah, right? the good yeah, place like, is shot. Like that's where all the yogurt shops were and mm-hmm. things. So that's that's pretty typically on the the tour route, yes. right? Yeah. So yesterday we had our tech scout, and every ten minutes we had to get out of the street because a tram came by and you know wave at everyone. And I, mm-hmm. as annoying as it is, it's like no, it's you awesome. know, yeah, like it's the awesome. client and, and agency, everyone's just like waving to the people on the tram, and they're like, people on the tram are like, who, who, who is that? You know, and mm-hmm. you just feel slightly famous for like ten seconds. Yeah, no, I love that. I when I was at Warner all the time, they have a different tour that's also great also great but like just a pure studio tour whereas the universal tour has like it's a ride unto itself mm-hmm. jaws comes out king kong there's a fast and the furious part it, it highly recommend both tours are actually really really wonderful it feels fancy it feels fun you try to like look like you're making movies in front of these people just because it's like you know, a little exciting for them, you yeah. know? And you show them like, Hey, here's back to the future. The clock, mm-hmm, you know, the doc mm-hmm. got electrocuted at and like, sure, sure. The Gilmore girls <laughs> talked fast here. Oh yeah. That's at Warner's, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. But like today we're like, Oh, you know, quantum leap is filming right here and the voice is filming right here. And then we went up to the Bates motel and there's like mm-hmm, an actor there mm-hmm. that's like pulling a dead body out. <laughs> For the trams. They have Norman. Uh, yeah, the Norman Bates. Bates. And he did it for us, just the golf carts. And then, like, the, the agency, we had two carts. So the producer was driving the, the clients. And the guy, Norman Bates, pulled out a knife and he started walking quickly towards them. And I was like, guys, better get out of here. Um, and we went to the War of the Worlds, like, through the smoke of the... Um, but then finally we like found a tram and if you follow a tram, they set off all these things. So we saw the Jaws fire stuff. Um, You're seeing Jaws like reset afterwards, right? It's yeah. Like- yeah. <laughs> and you know that they have, you, have you seen Nope, the Jordan Peele movie? I have not yet. No, oh, there's this whole like theme park in it that they took when they finished the movie and they put it at Universal Studios oh, and you can drive through awesome. it. Awesome. And the coolest part was at the very end when we were coming back to Europe Street, we saw there was a tram that made like a U-turn right before Europe Street. And they're like, this is Europe Street. You know, they filmed The Good Place and a bunch of things. They filmed parts of Pirates of the Caribbean there. We can't go in there right now because they're filming a real commercial. They film commercials here all the time. And I was like, the tram driver is talking about our shoot. How cool is that? Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash post. Anyway, so the shoot is exciting. We'll see how it goes. It's like insanely ambitious. We have seven hours to shoot something that 
we should realistically be shooting in like two to three days. So the, the celebrity had to approve the director and the DP. Mm-hmm. And the DP. Oh, that's interesting. And the yeah. DP. And so uh, last night we had a client dinner and we were just kind of like chit-chatting. Hold on. I'm going to pump the brakes for a second because it's been a minute since we've talked about what the client dinner is even. When you're on a job, a commercial job in particular, or I guess explicitly, you've got your client, you've got your agency, and you've got your production company. Those are almost always groups that are in different places, right? So your client is wherever the the headquarters of that company is, right? Your agency is wherever that headquarters are. That's probably either Chicago, New York, or LA, London, Mm -hmm. Tokyo. Or like Midwest, like depend if you're doing regional stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if there's regional stuff, that's true too. Oftentimes, if it's a big, big fancy yeah. agency, it's one of those places. Yeah, these, these guys are out of Chicago. And then there's the production company, which is most likely in the city that you're shooting. So Los Angeles or wherever the winds may take you, right? So you've been working together, you've been on Zooms, you've been pitching things, they've been meeting you a bunch of different times, oftentimes virtually, and then everyone flies in, they settle down, And then at a certain point, probably after the pre-production meeting or, you know, you've gotten to know each other a little bit, you most likely have a big dinner together. Maybe at the beginning of the shoot, maybe at the end of the shoot. I remember you guys were talking about like trying to find the time that's like doesn't bump up against an early call time because people tend to stay out a little bit late. Mm -hmm. There were Um, many, many drinks imbibed yesterday. And I'll probably talk all about all this when this comes out at the end of December. But for now, I'm just going to keep the company name secretive because I know, you know, they have like a PR plan and stuff. But this company makes a product that helps. They have they make thousands of products. One of them happens to help with with hangovers. Oh, that's cool. Um, That's interesting. They were all had that product today on our (laughs) rehearsal day. Well, so... My opinion of these dinners has really evolved over the years. When I was first starting out, I did not want to go to them. Full, I would I would do everything I could to avoid them. That's a mistake. That's dumb. Um, because Wait, I used why to. Why would you not? It's it's free food when you're first starting out. Yeah, yeah, but like I was shooting in Los Angeles exclusively. I didn't travel those first few years, and so my attitude was like. I have friends in town I can drink with if I want to get loaded on a Wednesday night. Like I could call people or like I have a wife to go home to to have dinner with. Like I don't, you are not my friends. I don't know why we need to binge drink together at some expensive Hollywood restaurant was my attitude. Right. Yeah. And maybe you weren't quite, you know, obviously you had a lot of repeat business with the same places. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you weren't really in the mindset of like, Hey, if I do a good job on this project and, and these people like me, they'll hire me again for the next project. So that's phase two. Phase one is like, for me was like, I'm just a snob. I don't get this. Phase two was like, Oh, I should like get to know these people because it will create repeat business for me. And this is part of the job. Phase three is like, Oh no, these are my friends. These are people that are, they're my coworkers. And like, it's nice to get to see them in person you know because i've had so much repeat business and and maybe i'll have some more and it's nice to just get to know people and understand where they're coming from and learn about them and be curious right like like they are from a different place oftentimes and and have interesting backgrounds and and you know don't be a jerk but also coupled with most of the time they're people that i've worked with for years at this point so it's like just great to hang out with them. COVID really messed them up. And for, mm-hmm. you know, two years, we didn't really have them. And it, it made travel jobs like a lot less, a lot more lonely, you know? Sure. <laughs> Found yeah. us eating alone at my, in my hotel room a lot. Yeah. You're getting like, like to the hotel room after the Applebee's in the strip mall that's, um, that you share a parking lot with is closed. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, I guess I'll have a dinner of Ritz cracker, like peanut butter crackers. Yeah, and Southwest like, nuts. By the way, covid still very much around like we still are still very um, much around yeah yeah, I'm yeah all, with it as we speak. all unions so the, the testing is really stringent and yeah we've definitely had quite a few crew members knocked out bummer um, such a bummer yeah the dinner we had like the ep from my company is like he's he's been in the commercial business forever he's that that's the executive producer kind of the person that is like the person that he runs the company but he also like basically helps introduce me to the agency Mm-hmm. And once mm-hmm. we get the job, he's kind of like the point person. And it's in his best interest for 
you to have a great relationship with the agency because they're the people who pick directors for all of the different accounts that they have. Yeah. And I would say that our EP is like a professional. I mean, they all are, but like a very, very experienced schmoozer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's the other thing to talk about. And, and the thing that I kind of realized early on is that EPs, Nowadays, they have to truly be Swiss Army knives where they're like, could line produce if you needed them to, and also know how to order for a group of 16 at, you know, a high end restaurant. At my last company, they would be like, hey, when you hung out with the the agency people today in the auditions, like, did they talk about any food they like or any like Mm -hmm. wine they like or Mm -hmm. like restaurant like places to go like we just want to like buy them some stuff to give to them you know yeah and, well so, so that's the thing it is the perk of both being the client and being the agency is like oh these are kind of like fun cool travel trips where they get to go to a cool city and like try the trendiest food and come home and brag about it and have a great time and then take a selfie on set right like yeah, it is those jobs are really hard jaws. yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're, part of your job is to entertain them a little bit or show them around or or read the room and figure out, because there's certainly the person who's like, I'm 26, I love to rage. <laughs> right. Okay. And then there's also the the guy who's like 32 and is like, I, I need to FaceTime with my kids at 4 p.m. Everybody kind of has their own wheelhouse in terms of who they can connect with and well, I guess like just, just to go back, like about like, we're kind of working this union job with like kind of more experienced people. Like one thing that I'm like realizing is kind of fun for me on set. I, so two weeks ago I had to shoot non, non-union. I mean, it was SAG, um, one of my two shoot days, but, uh, like my production designer is 29 years old, you know, mm-hmm. and she's awesome and she's really good at her job, but she's like, knew her whole crew was like younger than her you know mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. dp is like 33 you know and his mm-hmm, mm-hmm. his whole crew was like you know actually a couple of people are like my age but like most mostly younger and i just feel like the old person and it's it's fine you know um uh but like it, it just i just feel like older than the whole crew um on this shoot i'm like by far one of the youngest people mm-hmm. on the crew you know mm-hmm. um and it it's kind of awesome you know like literally at dinner <laughs> yeah, last night elaborate. people were talking well, about their 50th and 60th birthday parties oh sick um, yeah and you know and these are people like that have worked with like legends you know they're talking yeah. about directors you know like i did this thing with fincher michael bay mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. when we like you know came up with the uh the got like, milk like campaign. Geico, yeah, not got yeah, yeah. milk, but like sure. the Geico Gecko, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just, it's cool. I mean, and these people are much better at drinking than like a lot of the, the younger people I know. When you say better at drinking, what do you mean? I mean, well, they have like a lot of opinions about like what they drink, you know, mm-hmm. um, what kind of wine, mm-hmm. what kind of alcohol, what kind of this, what kind of that, like just crazy stories about like flying to China for a 30 minute meeting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, just like, you know, just that old Hollywood stuff of like... You mean sh- schmoozing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You said better at drinking. Right, right. But I mean, right, I right, guess... But yeah, but you mean that interchangeably. Like, it's not... No, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it, the quantity seemed to... <laughs> some of them <laughs> sure. are... Uh, sure, they can pack it away a little bit better. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that to to speak to that a little bit, I am always really cautious about getting too sloppy at those dinners you know regardless of what my call time is the next morning you know like but i think also people that have been doing this for longer are better at knowing what the number is uh before they get sloppy yeah yeah yeah. their tolerance is different certainly i'm kind of like thoughtful about it i'm like making sure i'm drinking a lot of water and like because you don't want to be weird you don't want to embarrass yourself it's a thing i think about for sure because like you know it can be uh, metaphorically intoxicating too. Like the drinks are free, you know, it, the, the dinners are long, you know, you're having appetizers. There's maybe a cocktail up top, mm-hmm. you know, you, you there's like a lot order. of con- conversation with the server. Where are you from? What did you do? What do you recommend? What's the best thing? What do people do in LA? Yeah. They'll order like just a bunch of different one of appetizers for yeah. one of everything. Yeah, exactly. Do you ever think about that or no? 
about the drinking part yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i basically like can't, if i have more than two drinks i'm like useless yeah. the next day so yeah yeah um that's just me but unrelated to being with clients or anyone i just like don't don't enjoy my day the next day it, it's fun to talk about the business with these people you know in like mm-hmm. a personal way and like you know, one of the, the guys, creative guys, we we're just talking about our daughters for like 20 minutes. You know, I have a six year old daughter. He has a 17 year old daughter. And he was like, dude, like it just goes by in like a snap, you know, mm-hmm. like do not like cherish the time. Like he was like talking about these awesome, amazing projects he did that he like were going to further his career and coming back home and seeing his daughter's like an inch taller than when he left, you know, and just yeah. like yeah. we had like this like emotional moment just talking about our daughter's like at the dinner table, you know, client dinner. And then we just, we just started talking about, you know, kind of interesting clients, interesting production company, interesting things. And they, one of them had talked about like a pitch that they gave that was like, you know, this, this very high stakes, big account pitch and how scary it was. So I asked them about like, you know, from being, from being people that also pitch, but also get pitched to, cause like obviously mm-hmm. as directors are pitching to them, is there anything that they do differently that they've learned from being on the pitching side? Is there anything that they do differently on the receiving of the pitches side? Um, and they, they didn't like say too much, but I had talked about how, like what I learned is that like, I always leave my camera on, you know, in, in auditions, um, in meetings, like I just find mm-hmm. it. You, you mean in a remote pitch, you leave your zoom. Yeah camera on yeah even if it was a phone pitch or something i would react because i know when i'm pitching especially comedy if everyone's silent if everyone's cameras are off and i just don't know what is going on like i just start getting in my head and i just feel like i'm talking to a wall and so as a person that i don't receive a ton of pitches but i see a lot of actors audition for things i meet potential people that i would hire and i i just find that giving feedback to these people get primes them to be in their the best mm-hmm. version of themselves to give me the best pitch. And I want a good pitch. So I want to put them at ease. Uh, that presupposes that your face puts people at ease. And, uh, you know, I love the, I love the strategy. When you said that you leave your camera on during auditions, I, you know I always turn my, I turn mine off. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. And then I turn it on to give them notes. Oh. You know, and then I turn it back off and I know for certain that I get squirmy. I get so invested in every single performer's audition that my face can look pained or like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just right. in it with them and I'm like, just like a, like an insane person. I've had casting directors be like, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I want them to do well. So uh, I honestly just smile. I'm like, just nod and <laughs> smile like, cool, you know. But anyway, what that conversation led to was like why they picked me as a director, because they had multiple directors pitching on this job. I believe I mentioned this on the podcast before, uh, because it was right off, off the heels of like a producer telling me I wasn't enthusiastic enough mm-hmm. on another job. Um, they told me they picked me because I was just by far the most enthusiastic person that had pitched them. And they were like, you're like passion. They 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 used a word that I don't know if it was, if I like it that much, but they said that I seemed very earnest in my pitch. Oh, uh, that's okay. Earnest is okay. That I, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, and I even said in my pitch, I was like, honestly, I'm not that usually excited in pitches, but I really love this creative. And I feel like mm-hmm. it's going to be basically, I, you know, we pitched making an action movie into this commercial and I was just very excited about it. They had told me that they actually had sent all the director's reels that were in in competition to the celebrity and that the celebrity mm-hmm. did not pick my reel. <laughs> like mm-hmm. She had picked a different director uh, and then they went and they listened to all the different director's pitches. And like a, a little piece of valuable feedback was that they felt like my pitch really took their script and their thoughts mm-hmm. and built on them, plus them, but but respected them. And that a lot of the other directors just totally re- rewrote things and just kind of went all out in weird directions. Um, and so I, I felt like my pitch was really dependent on like the locations that I knew we could get. Mm-hmm. And I, and I kind of tailored it to that. And I think it just kind of happened to, to line up with the, like what they were looking for. So I got kind of lucky, but I just, it just made me realize because I do have a lot of times when I pitch on a project, I'm like, 
I just don't see how you can get this done for the budget. You know, like your ask Mm -hmm. just doesn't line up with like the resources and I never get those jobs, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that there is an insight in there. just in thinking about like a little bit of time agency side that I've had being aware of what the brief most likely is, what the ask is, right? So, so all of these agencies are getting essentially a write-up that explains the goals and priorities of the client, right? They're, they're figuring out like, okay, this is the specific value proposition. This is the thing we're excited about. This is the thing we're touting, et cetera, right? And so all of that creative is, is geared towards that set of goals, right? And so as directors, we're tasked with plussing the creative bringing our own voices to it, making it a sing and making it special and making it awesome. But within the parameters of pitching things that some creative executive or some creative, like uh, some copywriter or, or art director or CD um, hadn't already pitched and shot down because it was contradictory to the brief in some way. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like for example, the, the, the dangerous thing, the, the, you know, you can pitch a ton of great ideas about like, uh, gags that feel too icky, feel too dangerous, feel too edgy for the brand. And maybe the brief says, Hey, we want this to be family friendly. Maybe not. Sometimes that's just kind of like the implied, uh, implied through the, the, the history of the brand and their um their legacy of of advertising and, and what the brand represents basically um but so so some of our work is just in trying to kind of like pitch on brief more or less to to without ever getting the brief in the first place you know just to be like okay i see the the framework that you've laid out how can i plus that rather than making it something totally different wholesale because all of those people are really smart and really funny. Um, and sometimes it can be frustrating for uh, someone who doesn't have sometimes years, sometimes six months worth of historical knowledge to be like, hey, this would be really funny because it could be. That could be a great pitch that they got shot down on already, you know? Yeah. And they're like bummed. <laughs> they're like, yeah, that would be good, but I can't do it for these reasons, you know? For sure. I I do think that when you pitch and you really change everything that you're pitching on, it's probably because you don't like it that much, (laughs) you know, and, and people can pick up on that. And sometimes you'll, uh, hit a home run, you know, and people will be like, your idea is way better. And I've heard, I've worked with directors as a VFX artist that have gotten a brief and just written their entire new script. That's their own idea. And they've gotten the job and, they're more like kind of famous directors than, than kind of newer directors. But, uh, but I, yeah, I think it makes a difference. And, and since this pitch, I had a, just a phone meeting with like another company uh, for a pitch. And I really wasn't loving the creative, but I, I tried to find my way into it. And I think mm-hmm. they could just instantly tell on the call, like, oh, Oren's yeah. just kind of saying the things that he thinks we want him we're, to say. supposed to say, yeah. But it doesn't sound like he he actually believes it's going to be awesome. <laughs> He's saying he thinks it's going to be awesome, but we don't believe it. Well, and, and I think to your previous point, um, part of the job is showing the ways you think that it'll be awesome. And I think leaning into the ways in which you naturally show your enthusiasm, I think, is is kind of part of the game as well. Right. So um, I know that you really got yourself in the right headspace to to pitch and to show your enthusiasm because you got that note. Um, it makes me think of on the job that I'm currently on that hasn't officially been awarded because of some politics. So you look, it could go away, but like all signs are pointing towards I'm, I'm the choice. Um, but I was pitching on it kind of around when we were having these conversations about your enthusiasm and this and that. And I was helping you with, you know, pitching on ideas for, for the job that you're currently on and all that stuff. And so it really informed the way in which I uh, uh, approached the, the creative. And I thought to myself, like, what are all of the different ways that I can show them 
I'm in it to win it. You know, what can I do to like make this as cool as possible and just like don't pull any punches, you know? And so um, I, it was three scripts. I think it'll ultimately be four. I rewrote all of them. They're all in there. And I bolded everything that I changed, everything that I plussed. And I would, or I'd write alt tags and jokes and things like that. Um, but the other thing, and this is a, a thing that I've learned, I think oftentimes from you, or at least has been reinforced by you, um, of not, not just Photoshopping all of your images to make them match better, you know, just like there's that, the thing that we all do of like, oh, you know, I wish this were a different aspect ratio or like I need to clean this up or that or whatever. But like, I've learned that the title page is the and the thank you page, like the, the first and last slide of your deck, if those are just banger images, you've got a much better shot at things. And so I had like photoshopped, it's with a celebrity and I'd photoshopped their face onto the product with like a funny tagline and even like some like sub subtext that, or like, you know, a little smaller title that's like a, a tag on the joke and, you know, like rewarding the the observant reader with like, um, plussing the jokes a little bit and then the morning of the pitch uh i found out found out that the original celebrity we were thinking of had passed and we were gonna we'd moved on to a new person and i had decided to do these the presentation in google slides because i'd been working in it for like a year i'd been doing it a lot and as we talked about on the show it supports animated gifs much much better than like a PDF or something like that. And so I re-photoshopped everything in the 30 minutes that I had before the presentation. And it kicked things off in the right direction. You know, it was like, oh, this is a way to show. Again, you can roll with the punches. Roll with the punches. You can still be funny no matter who the talent is. Exactly. Like this is going to be a thing that we have to deal with. And so... Um, it's all going to be okay. You know, here are the ways in which the, you know, cause I also, those creatives had been thinking about this other person for a long time. So switching it, switching gears, I became the person that could say like, Hey, don't worry. It's all going to be okay. We're going to figure out how, how to make this funny in this as funny as the previous version is the previous iteration. So don't worry. Um, but all of which is to say, not like, Oh, I did a great job, but like, there are a lot of different ways to show your enthusiasm. And maybe that's, maybe you're cracker at, you know, Photoshop. Maybe you're a really great presenter. But again, thinking through the different ways and as many different ways as you have to show that quality, I think is really um, something I've been thinking about a lot in as I'm pitching on jobs lately. Yeah. Enthusiasm. It's enthusiasm, but like, with zero ass kissing, which is like the hard part. Yeah. Because yeah. like you can say like, I love the script. Now let's talk about how this is how I would shoot it, you know? But like, you know, I've, I've seen, I've written stuff like this. Like, oh, the script is already so good. It's hard to, it's hard to make it better. Mm-hmm. But here's just mm-hmm. a few options of things we can tweak. And it's like, no, like that, like, like they've already like, probably it's already worse than they think it could be, you know, because they mm-hmm, had to change mm-hmm. things as a client. And they're hiring you to help make it better, especially I think in the world of comedy or something with visuals that are intricate and, and take a level of, of expertise, you know, they're mm-hmm. asking you to help them, you know, that's why you're there to be a stakeholder. You yeah. Know? And they, this is for my old production company. Like the EP would always be like, they are asking you to take over this project now and they want to be able to trust that you can bring it to the finish line and have good taste and good confidence that they don't need Mm -hmm. to worry anymore. Yeah. Which is why, um, I didn't Photoshop everything. Mm -hmm. I Photoshopped a few things that I knew I could execute, but I didn't want to put in sloppy slides later on through the deck. Do you know what I mean? I didn't redo the entire thing as a way of, of exhibiting like, oh, I still have taste and standards. It's not like yeah. it's all slapdash. And I try to like 
acknowledge if I do think something's bad uh, in the deck mm-hmm. or something, it, I'll acknowledge it. If I get to present the treatment, I'll be like, "Hey, check this out. I probably should have photoshopped this out of here. Let's just pretend that this says your brand name instead of this mm-hmm. brand name." Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And try to like just uh, be like inside baseball, kind of with mm-hmm. the people mm-hmm. I'm talking to, and show them that I get what they're thinking and what you know is on their mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, so they said that after the pitches from all the directors, they liked mine a lot. And so they sent the celebrity my only my treatment and said, Hey, Mm -hmm. this is the person we want. And they said that they wrote a very nice note about me and I I have no idea what it said, but, um, but she was like, okay, fine. And I, I think she liked the treatment too. So, um, it's, it's just interesting when you find out like, you know, you get a job and you're like, oh, cool. They hired me. They, mm-hmm. They're like, okay, Oren, yeah, like his stuff. Let's hire him. But like, it turns out there's all these like different like levers being pulled in the background. And, you know, sometimes like the odds are kind of against you. And so. The odds are always against you. That's, that's the, I think the more inside you get, the, the, the more realer you that. that. Be, yeah. 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 It's always two to one. Always. Right. You know, like there's not a sandbag in a triple bid situation, you know, there's differences between the directors and maybe one is a more budget option or the production company is willing to do it for a cheaper number, but that's not the same as we don't think they're viable creatively, you know? And there's always someone that just like surprises people. Like, you know, sometimes it's two directors with a huge body of work that you're super familiar with and a new director that has one or two things that are kind of cool. Um, but it's interesting in some way. And then that director just like blows you out of the water and the other directors are just phoning it in. And so that that's, you know, that's when you get your opportunities. Um, yeah, yeah. We've been on both sides of that coin. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so with this specific scenario, um, you know, she had to approve the DP too. And I pitched basically like this action movie, you know, Mm -hmm. I had pitched, let's shoot it anamorphic. Let's, uh, just lean into the costumes of an action movie, like every action movie trope and thing that we can think of, you know, from Mission Impossible to Charlie's Angels to like James Bond, like mm-hmm. let's do all that stuff. Um, and I was like, I work with like amazing DPs that have shot, I've shot like many action things with them and a lot of action parodies. Um, and, have, you know, they've all shot various action things, but I happen to know a DP through my daughter's preschool and who had been on this podcast before. And I was like, this guy's actually shot. He shot a Terminator movie. He the shot thing. a Thor movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he shot eight episodes of Game of Thrones. Uh, he shot Boardwalk Empire. He shot this hilarious like Will Ferrell Super Bowl commercial. He shot Spirited, which is like a musical comedy with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, so he can shoot comedy and he can shoot action. And why don't we just go for the freaking real thing, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so on a whim, you know, we didn't have like the usual budget that, you know, you'd have for like one of those things. But I was like, let's just see if he's available to one day shoot in L.A. at Universal Studios. Sounds kind of yeah. fun to me. Yeah. And sounds like an easy yes if you're available. Yeah. And he uh, he was like, sure, I'll shoot it. <laughs> um, and so our our person uh, approved the DP, I think. It was pretty, a pretty easy approval, but now, you know, it's a, it's like a different type of production because on one hand he's like, you know, what I would Mm -hmm. consider like an A-list DP. So, you know, he's just very busy doing like Mm -hmm. all these other things and he has this amazing crew. And so it's kind of like, you know, some of my other DPs that maybe aren't involved in like hundred multi hundred million dollar projects are a little more available to just go to the location, just like grab coffee and talk about shots and look at references and do, do things. So it's an interesting balance, but I'm, I'm super excited about it. His crew is like amazing. He's like super like chill, I guess <laughs> probably the right word. Like, um, very much like loves to hear my opinions, has his opinions, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, got us like an amazing camera package from Panavision shooting anamorphic, you know, two four aspect ratio like same lenses he shot thor with uh Mm -hmm. and so today we're like rehearsing and everything 
then today I was like, you know, I was so happy. I'm like working with like awesome creative team, awesome client, awesome celebrity, awesome location, awesome DP, awesome everything. The schedule is a little challenging, but everything else is awesome. Shooting anamorphic Pan- mm-hmm. Panavision mm-hmm. lenses on the RE35, you know, the new RE camera. Mm. And then today I get the note. Uh, we're going to need a nine by 16 cut of this. <laughs> oh God. And you, had you asked already? You'd, you'd I been like mentioned anamorphic and every step of the way. And I even, was they like don't know, they checking. don't know what that means. They don't and know I, what that means. No, they, they know. I was like, do you guys know what anamorphic is? It's got, it's like, like how action movies, how mission impossible is shot, how, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, bond movies are shot. Like this is like action movie and we're going to make it, we're going to do the color grade, like an action movie. I mean, it's action movie. Um, but they don't. They don't, I, it's nice to get the reminder of like seeing the ramifications of what going from two by four to nine by 16 means in terms of framing and what you can and cannot get into a frame, a nine by 16 frame. Yeah. Two, four. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, that's gnarly. Yeah. So, uh, it's like literally we are using like 15% of the, the width of our frame. Yeah. And, and you can't reframe or anything. There's no like that. You're cutting out so much resolution. Like you're, you can't punch in. Can you like what, what resolution are you shooting? We're shooting a really high resolution. The, okay. That's good. The, so in the anamorphic lenses, but those lenses fall apart. So if you tried to pull something from the side, right? Like it's going to look wor- worse. Anamorphic lenses on the left or right side do have tend yeah. to have some distortion, especially on the wider yeah. lenses, yeah. Um, which is part of the like beauty of those lenses. They part of the reason is that they take an image and they squeeze it mm-hmm. to be much narrower, to be like fifty percent of the width of the actual image, so that it fits on your thirty-five millimeter sensor, mm-hmm. right? Um, so uh, when you edit it, you have to un-de-squeeze it. They call it right. You have to make take your your digital file and multiply the horizontal width by two. So you're stretching each pixel is, is actually two pixels wide. Um, so the vertical resolution on the RE35 is like 3741 or something. It's like, it's like almost 4k, the mm-hmm. vertical. Right. So, uh, that's great. So then our horizontal will be 858 because it's squeezed, but then we'll double it. So it'll be 17, whatever. All this is boring stuff, but it's, it's much more than HD, uh, Mm -hmm. the nine by 16 cut. So it's like totally sure. And now more resolution than you need for like TikTok or Instagram or whatever. But the framing is the framing. We're going from like this amazingly, like this amazing location, this European street. We have so much art and greens and like we we got like brought in our own cafe furniture and lights. We strung from building to building and, just bicycles. We got vintage cars. We got the whole fucking thing, and we're just gonna <laughs> cut yeah, out just like eighty percent of the star. frame. Yeah. yeah, we're just gonna see our talent in a frame, um, and what is like a really wide shot is gonna start feeling kind of like a medium close up. Um, so we were like, should we change lenses? We'd already like jumped through hoops or DP and like done yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, you know, everyone obviously on the technical side was pretty bummed. Well, I got to tell you, buddy, I am in like a funny place emotionally. And like before you, you were telling me some stuff that I was like so excited for you or told you like I could cry right now, man. Like I like <laughs> I know it's not even one by one. It's like nine by 16. It's like so upset. It's like so many people doing great work. Yeah. yeah. Well, so what we ended up deciding. Yeah. So the one saving grace is the entire sequence that we're filming is like this uh mm-hmm. this actress speaking to camera walking to camera and speaking like walk and talk so if we keep her in like a medium shot the entire time and she's not it's never there's never a two shot because she's only talking to camera mm-hmm. then we thank can, goodness great yeah. then we can get a 9 by 16 crop that i think will be fine and we have even a few like really wide shots anyhow uh, imagine telling the dp of thor that their two three nine frame has to be uh, nine by sixteen safe. <laughs> I mean, it's just like a, it's literally like an SNL sketch for film nerds. Well, Oren, I can't wait to see the spot. I can't wait to hear the recap. We'll see how it goes. Um, next time, 
It's all about you, baby. Hey, man, that's okay. This was great. Do you have a few more minutes to endorse with me? Of course. Unpaid endorsements. I got two endorsements. One is a re-endorsement. Editor Noah told us about the movie Barbarian. Mm-hmm. And I'd been hearing about it and hearing about it. And we talked about it on the show. And Oren, you aptly guessed that it's the sort of movie that the less you know about it, the better. And I'm here to tell you that that is exactly right. It's a movie that keeps you guessing, keeps you on your toes, is surprising and scary. It's not for the faint of heart. You know, it is legitimately scary. And there's some parts that really, I, I covered my eyes up. I was scared. Mm-hmm. But the other thing to talk about that film is that it does some really cool and daring things structurally. I would say if you don't like horror movies, don't watch it. If you are like, yeah, I, I like horror movies sometimes. This one's really good. And from a writing perspective, they really do some stuff that's anti-structure in a way that's fun and cool. It's it's a teeny tiny cast. It's not skimping. It doesn't feel low budget, but it is economically structured for sure. Where did you watch it? It's on HBO Max. Oh, cool. And then the other thing I'm endorsing mm-hmm. is my wife got me a watch for my birthday. I'm endorsing wearing a dumb watch. And here's what I like about it. I can figure out what time it is anywhere I am without looking at my phone. And I'm trying my hardest to not look at my phone any more than I need to. So often I will be like, oh, I need to check one thing. And then I spend 15 minutes looking at stuff that's stupid and makes me less happy. Uh, So now I just know what time it is. So those are my two endorsements. Oren, what you got? Well, I was going to do a re-endorsement. It's probably like my third or fourth time re-endorsing this, but I Mm -hmm. just, it was just Black Friday. Uh Uh-huh. Can you guess what it is? Is it a Dyson? (laughs) Yeah. Dude. Dude, I just got Carlin to buy one and she like had a super long day doing something and she got home and she's like, I just can't wait to vacuum with this thing. (laughs) Okay. So they are very nice. And especially if you have a kid or a dog, I have a kid. Or a a a car. I had endorsed a while ago. This is also a pseudo reendorsement, but slightly modified as I had endorsed buying like a four or five terabyte, like hard drive, like a super Mm -hmm. cheap one. Mm-hmm. And just to put all your stuff, all your sound effects, all your stock, footage, everything, everything yeah, yeah. you've ever directed. Yeah. Um, your reel, all the stuff. And it's just on a portable drive. You can take with you anywhere. Always have access um, to. And it's I, I call it like my OK Essentials drive. It has like software plugins, a lot of stock footage, a lot of like mm-hmm. smoke effects, clouds, mm-hmm. all my sound mm-hmm. effects, library, music, everything. Um, and uh, I have, you know, I had like one of those Lacey drives, like a spinning drive because it was like five terabytes for like you know, a hundred mm-hmm. bucks or however much. And now I have this new Mac studio and it's like super fast and I have all these SSD drives. And I, whenever I search for anything, like I have to wait five minutes for that stupid, okay, essentials <laughs> to drive spin up. <laughs> to spin up, to search. And it's not on that drive, dude. So then yeah. I'm like, Oh, should I disconnect it? But, um, I got like a, a sand disc, like a four terabyte SSD on black, oh, nice. like 50% off. Um, and now my computer, I can like find any sound effect in like mm-hmm. one second. Well, this episode was edited by Noah Bayshore and produced by Tyler Small. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Noah. I'm Matt Enlow. You can find me across all social media at Mr. Matt Enlow. And you can find me at O Kaplan on Instagram. I'm at Smitey Pileg on Twitter. You can find the show at Just Shoot It Pod. The music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. And we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.